Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Hey there, and welcome into our week 15 episode for the regular season. A regular season then that's not quite over yet, is it, John? We got got that win over the Jets, the losing streak's over, and you look up and it's like, oh man, we're just we're just tied with a bunch of teams for the last seed in the uh in the NFC playoff race, right? So it's the season's not over. It kind of felt like it was, but it's not. It's far from over. Yes, yeah, like I said last week, we're not dead yet. Uh, we're we're still in the mix here. We just just need to handle our business, uh, stack a couple wins here at the close of the season, and hope that we qualify for the playoffs. So, uh, good, good good win to go over the Jets. Exactly what the doctor ordered for this team, and um, I think there's a lot to be encouraged by. Now it is the Jets. Uh, they did botch another high draft pick on a quarterback. Um, that's just what they do. Um, so you don't want to read too much into this performance, but the, at, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll take any good news I can get. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was a good week. It was a good week. It could have been better. The Bills didn't help us out too much, but we can get into that here coming up in a little bit. Friendly reminder to uh, our listeners to hit that subscribe button. You can just search the Saints Wire wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever is best. We appreciate each and every one of you. It does seem like, John, you wrote about this this week. Seems like Alvin Kamara's return kind of changes everything for the Saints offense, right? Yeah, it helps to play the Jets. But Kamara comes back. They force feed him a bunch of touches, 27 carries, target him five times in the passing game. And it just, everything makes more sense offensively when Kamara's back in the uh, in, in the lineup. It was, it was a painful losing streak, but most of that losing streak was without AK, right? So his return, it, it's just like, it's so obvious what he does for the offense. Yeah, it's not hyperbole to say that he is the engine that moves the offense and they'll go as far as he can take them. Kamara, you know, he, he, he had the one touchdown run against New York, but really it was just he, he bailed them out of so many tough situations by making a play after the catch, by being an elusive runner. Um, man, he, they asked a lot of him and he responded really well. So I'm really hopeful that they will be able to get Mark Ingram back in the lineup so they maybe don't have to rely so strongly on AK. But at the same time, the guy's a superstar. And there are a lot of Saints fans who had kind of tuned out of the season here who were thinking, oh, here we go. Let's let's go in the tank. Let's go get a good draft pick. They see Alvin Kamara come off the bench and rip off a – you know, 140 yards of scrimmage, and that 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 has a tangible effect. That that energizes people. It gets the fan base engaged. It gives you a lot to look forward to. You know, you, it, you can say, okay, I want to see what Alvin Kamara can do against Tom Brady and the Bucks Sunday Sunday night for a game I might have uh, um, slept through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like this was the kind of game. And again, it was the Jets when you could have a game where. Taysom Hill, he, he passes the ball 21 times, but he completes over 70% of his passes. And you couple that with 31 touches for Alvin Kamara and Taysom's running ability. All of a sudden, you have this prototype for success, right? Like, that makes the offense, when you're not turning it over, not hurting yourself, that makes the offense really tough. And then you can kind of rely on your defense to, to shut teams down. I feel like this game was almost like a prototype. Now we got to take that to the to the good teams like the Bucks and some of these other teams go down the stretch. What do you think about that piece? Like this game kind of being a prototype for what the Saints want to do and kind of finding their identity down the stretch here. 
that, that's exactly the brand of football they want to play. You go back and look early in the season, that, that's how they were winning games with Jameis Winston at quarterback, where he was being highly efficient, not throwing the ball very often, but he was completing his passes at a high percentage. He was avoiding mistakes, uh, avoiding negative plays. That, that's something that Jameis struggled with at times. It's something that Taysom definitely needs to cut down on. Um, you know, you look at the uh, – they lost like 18 yards on a sack there before halftime. That that, that can't happen. Yeah. So th- there's things they need to clean up. But that I think that is a viable way of winning football games. Whenever your defense is on is playing uh, lights out, whenever your your offense can get the yards that they need, where they can be effective in short yardage situations, that is just so, so critical um, to any team's success, especially one like the Saints that is so limited in what they, what they can do th- through the air. I think it's really encouraging, and I think it's it's, it's a style of football that travels well. Um, you look back at some of the big Saints wins in recent years, look at like they beat the Bengals uh, by several touchdowns back in 2018, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah, 18. Uh, they, beat the, they beat the Bills in 2017, I believe, uh, off of another dominant defense, a dominant running game performance. Lots of uh, highlights from Alvin Kamara and, and, and from the defense do, doing its job, coming away with a couple takeaways. So if we can figure out a way to play that style of football more consistently here down the stretch, I think they can go to Tampa Bay. They can leave with a win. And then we'll see where it goes over the last three games from there. I did want to touch on the defense as well, John. It was good to see them get their mojo back a little bit. And, and a couple of areas really stood out, right? Third and fourth down. Jets have combined four for 17 when you combine third and fourth downs. And that just allowed the Saints with Taysom and AK kind of doing their thing to just dominate the time of possession. It was basically 40 minutes to 20 minutes time of possession. That was pretty sweet that the Saints were able to do. (laughs) And they definitely eliminated the big plays that have been kind of plaguing them a little bit, John, right? Only the Jets only had two plays that gained more than 20 yards. And I just felt like, you know, on the defensive side of the football, that's what you want to do, right? Get off the field, eliminate the big plays. That's what we got to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's something that was really missing over the over the past five weeks. You go back and look, the Saints were not winning the time of possession battle. They were not getting off the field on third downs. Uh, they, they, this was very much a get-right game for New Orleans, and they, they did exactly what they need, needed to do to win and build some confidence going into this final four-game stretch. Coming up next is our questions of the week. Stick with us. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Ori Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. The fantasy football playoffs are upon us in most formats, so let's dive right in. Quarterback Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Miami Dolphins versus New York Jets. First of all, the Jets have picked off a league low four passes in 2021, and the position has averaged 15.6% more points per game than average in the last five weeks when facing this defense. Tua comes off his bye with a COVID-riddled backfield that could lead to extra passing attempts. The Dolphins are healthy enough at wide receiver and tight end, though, and feature a promising rookie Jalen Waddle to give the Jets trouble. Tonga Bailoa went for 22.3 fantasy points in the Week 11 meeting, which was his best performance in the last five weeks. Sony Michelle, Los Angeles Rams versus Seattle Seahawks. This one's a little bit dicey just because of the situation. Running back Daryl Henderson has a thigh injury and was also placed on the COVID list last week, and he's uncertain for Week 15. Michelle has a strong matchup ahead and could be relied upon even more if Odell Beckham Jr. cannot clear the COVID protocols as well. 
In the last five weeks, running backs have averaged 34.2% more fantasy points per game versus Seattle than the league average. Both Henderson and Michelle scored in the Week 5 meeting, and the position has produced six different 20-plus point performances against this defense since that contest. Wide receiver Marquise Brown, Baltimore Ravens versus Green Bay Packers. Ever since tallying 116 yards on nine catches against the Vikings, Brown has averaged 46 yards on six receptions and no touchdowns in the last four. That's just 7.7 yards per catch. Not good. His speed could be an issue for the Packers, though, as they have allowed receptions for touchdowns of 79 yards, 54 yards, 46 yards, and 54 yards just in the last two games. And two of those came on short passes. There's some upside here with Brown Sunday, regardless of whether it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley throwing his way. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, Washington football team at Philadelphia Eagles. Seals-Jones returned from injury last week only to stink up the joint with one catch on his four-target performance. The Eagles have been exceptionally generous to tight ends in 2021, and no team has given up more catches, yards, or scores to the position. That's the triple crown in fantasy football matchups. If there's such thing as a get-right game for a career backup, this would have to be it. Quarterback Taylor Heineke's knee injury is worth monitoring, but he is expected to play. In your pursuit of a championship, be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-522. 4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. It's our questions of the week part of the show where I send John some lightning round questions that he's not prepped on. And here's question number one for you, John. Give me your take on the home team trailer starring Kevin James as Sean Payton. What's your number one take on the trailer? It looks ridiculous, but honestly, I don't know what I don't, I don't know what anyone else could have expected. I, I was seeing comments on, on the Saints subreddit of like, Oh, I thought this was going to be like a, a, a gritty drama about Sean Payton's perspective on the Bounty Gate investigation and, and how, how he got railroaded and this, that, and the other. And, and I'm like, how in the world could you see the headline that Adam Sandler's producing a, a movie about Sean Payton's year away from football starring Kevin James and, and think that's going to be some gritty drama? That, exactly. No, dude, this, this is, it's going to be schlocky. It's, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to have a very low bar <laughs> for, for comedy. I mean, I mean, we, we, we've got uh, peewee football players projectile vomiting all over each other. Uh, we, we've got this um, Rob Schneider playing some kind of Alex Guerrero stand-in who's fe- feeding them uh, energy bars uh, on the sidelines. Like, it, it's, 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 it's bizarre. It's, it's weird. It's got to be some kind of a cash grab, I guess. I, 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 if, if Sean Payton is happy with it, then I'm happy with it. With it, but I don't expect that I'll ever see it more more than once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things that you got to watch it. But man, it, it it is a little disappointing when you find out what exactly this is. I, I can kind of I can see what the fans are saying. I mean, I watched that um, movie King Richard about um, you know the father of Serena and Venus Williams, uh, starring Will Smith. Yeah. If people haven't seen that yet, you should do it. I mean. It's amazingly done, and Will Smith. I mean, he's like a spitting image of their father. The way Will, they, the way they present him, the way he talks, the way he acts in the movie. It's just like that's not what we're getting here with uh, with this with this movie, right? I mean, you, you watch the the trailer, and I think the number one thing fans are talking about is that Kevin James looks looks and sounds nothing like Sean Payton. It's like, yep, that's right. Yep, he looks nothing. He doesn't sound anything like him. So, 
it's hard for he, he, it's he hard to take it seriously. And, the, and that that was all. <laughs> yeah, the, all, yeah. All the work put into it. Not a ton of effort there to to look or look or sound like Sean Payton. So, all right, yeah. moving on. Question number two. Speaking of the Bucks, you know that Bucks Bills game last week, John. The Bills did not hand the ball to a running back once in the entire first half, and that's the first time that we've seen that in the last thirty years. Applaud or boo the Bills for that game script. What do you think about that? The way that first half played out. You know, it felt like um, like a teenage revolt against your dad. Like like <laughs> like you, 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 you did something to me, so I'm going to do the opposite to just just to make you up, just upset you. And it, the Bills, of course, got ran over. Like how many times did the Patriots run on them the, the week before? Like forty or fifty times in, in a single game. It was almost it, fifty. It, it, yeah, it, almost fifty. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like they, they like they did just the complete opposite of that. And you know, I'm sure that wasn't the case. <laughs> that, 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 it's it's a lot funnier for me to imagine it that way. Like I'm going to prove you wrong, Bill. I'm going to win without running the ball. But anyway, what I think did happen here was they just had no faith that they could run on the Tampa Bay front, and so that they thought that well, if we just pass us down, then eventually we, we are going to make some headway. And then they did very very late in the game, too late in the game. Um, I, I know that it's really in vogue to say like, oh, running backs don't matter, and it, you you should almost never run the ball anymore. But this is what happens when you do that. Uh, the margin for error just explodes, and so there's that you've got to have some kind of balance. You you've got to have give the defense some hesitancy. They need to pause at, at, to some degree and wonder if you know are you going to run or are you going to pass where's the ball flowing what, what what is the what's the plan here how do we diagnose this and react to it and whenever you're going out there and you're throwing you know 30 40 50 times a game uh, like the bills were uh, eventually you're going to run into a buzz ball that's what happened to them so it's not a strategy that I would endorse you know, they they, they kind of got what they asked for I think yeah, you know, I don't want to kill the Bills for this strategy. I know I think zero handoffs to your running back in the entire first half is um, bizarre, right? I mean, I think that's taking it to an extreme, as you were saying, John. But they still rushed for 173 yards in that game. It, believe it or not, Josh Allen handling about 103 or 104 of those yards. Ooh. So uh, they still rushed for, for a, a plenty of yardage. And they moved the football. They just couldn't score, right? They couldn't finish any drives in that first half. And that's that's what killed them. So I don't want to kill them for the strategy. Kill him for the execution, but I think for Saints fans, the fact that the uh, the Bucks had a hard time tackling a running quarterback that could bode well for this week, right? Uh, that gives us a little bit of hope. They could have a hard time dealing with Taysom Hill off off the run there, John. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've, I've said for a while the Bucks defense is not as strong as uh, a lot of people tend to think it is. They, they see the impressive pass rush. And they kind of assume that well, well, that must mean the whole defense is playing well. No, it's not. Uh, those linebackers miss a ton of tackles. That that the secondary, even when it's been healthy, has really struggled to de- uh, defend opponents with any any consistency. Uh, you can make you can make a lot of plays against them, and I think that the Saints are going are going to dial in on that. And I think I think that this is a, a should be a pretty strong matchup for Taysom Hill. So one thing I am looking for is what the Saints are going to do to take Devin White out of this game. Now, what, what I mean by that is you, you know that he's going to be dialed in on either Alvin Kamara or Taysom Hill every single snap they play. He's going to be spying one of those guys. He's he's going to be the defender responsible for keeping them from leaking upfield on a route or for taking off on the run and make, making, a, making a play in the open field. He's the one who is responsible for that. Now, the Saints have had success before. Uh, Sean Payton put him under a microscope in their two regular season games last year, and then Devin, Devin White came back, made a lot of plays in the playoffs. Um, 
and then he went and he hurt uh, Jameis Winston, knocked him out for the season. So that that's kind of a a, a, a sore spot for a lot of fans. Um, a lot of his former fans from from LSU who are now pretty upset that he uh, knocked out their the best Saints quarterback for the year. Um, and so I think that is that could be something the Saints can exploit because you know as many highlight reel plays Devin White makes he can be kind of terrible at times as far as making tackles in the open field and taking good pursuit angles, filling his gaps uh, appropriately. Um, they can win that matchup. They, they, they could get Alvin Kamara lined up on him and they, they could, they could create some chunk plays. And I think that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get AK going. He's going to have to continue to, you know, step up and take on a heavier workload than you would like because the Saints receivers are so sorry. Um, they just don't have anyone who is going to, you know, go rip off 100, 150 yards in this game. Uh, they're going to have to ask Raquan Smith to make make a play uh, on third down. They're going to have to ask Marquez Callaway to make a play in the red zone. So it's it's going to be tough. It's not going to be very pretty. Uh, but there is a pass forward. There is a way for the Saints to win this game. All right, more thoughts on that matchup here coming up in a little bit. But looking ahead to the upcoming free agent class that the Saints have, their their own guys that are upcoming free agents. Who would be your number one priority? There's some big names on this list. Yeah, I think my priority has to start with Marcus Williams. Um, just looking at the volume of snaps he plays. The guy has missed, I think, two games, <laughs> two, two or three games in his entire career. It's refreshing. Going into the yeah. season with, with, with uh, he, he is a three-down defender, and, and he was franchise tagged this year. So you don't do that thinking that, well, we'll tag him this year and let him lead the next year. No, it's not how you do business. Uh, I think the plan is for the Saints to try and uh, circle back, uh, sign him to an extension next year, uh, something they should, should have done two years ago instead of you know, wait, waiting so long. But in their defense, they've had a lot of salary cap navigation to do in the meantime. So I, I think that gets done one way or another. I could very easily see them tagging him again. And then once some more money becomes available after June 1st next year, then – come back and work out a long-term extension uh, with, with Marcus. So I, I think that's where you start. I completely understand the impulse to say, okay, we need, we have got to lock up Karan Armstead. We need to keep that, that left side of the offensive line intact. We've got to keep our all pro left tackle in, in the building. Uh, there's not many guys like him around this league. And I, I think that's a, a very valid level of concern. Now where I stand on that is, Armstead has not played a full season. He has never never played a full 16-game season, and he he's not going to make 17 games this year. He's only played in eight of the 12 games that the Saints have, are, have already uh, rattled off here. Eight of the 13, excuse me. Um, yeah, he, he's had injury issues throughout his career. Now he's over 30. He is going to, con- you know, that's going to continue to be an issue. But I don't I don't see him going somewhere else and immediately playing 1,100 snaps. Uh, that's just not something he's ever done before. And I just, I would love to see him do it. You know, he's a great player and you want him to be on the field. Uh, but I just don't know that his body can hold pull up to it. And then you look at the price tag of what these top shelf left tackles are getting paid these days. Uh, I don't think the Saints can pay him $23 million knowing that he might not be able to play a full season for them. So they've already made some contingency plans there that they've, Extended uh, Ryan Renchek, uh, in, and his contract has incentives if he becomes an All-Pro uh, at left tackle. So I, I think I think that could be the plan. They've also got James Hurst under contract for the next few years. He, he's a veteran backup who's played pretty well. They're mostly, interestingly, often at right tackle this year. So I think the plan could be to let Armstead walk, uh, move Renchek from the right side to the left, and then have Hurst uh, compete for a starting job at that right tackle. 
and move on from there and ho- hope that you can uh, j- just ride out the rest of the next season with that lineup and see how it goes. No, it's an interesting take for sure. Interesting stuff right there. And uh, But first, we do have to finish this season, right, John? And this is a huge game right in front of us. And the Saints are underdogs going to Tampa. They're underdogs like I don't think I've ever seen the Saints. I've never seen the Saints be underdogs by this kind of number. We're going to talk about what that number is on Tipico and make a prediction right after this. This is the Tipico Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are getting three and a half points at home. The total's 43 and a half. I'm on the Chicago Bears getting three and a half points because Matt Nagy Chicago Bears are five and one straight up and four and two against the spread since he became head coach in 2018. Also, I think Chicago's running game will be able to help out their rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. Minnesota's defense has the second worst rushing success rate. I'm on the bank of the Bears getting three and a half at home. Nate, how do you play this game? So I'm on the over here. Justin Fields showed what he's capable of against a good Packers defense last week and Chicago's top 20 and four of their last six games. Also, Dalvin Cook ran over the Steelers and the Bears don't have a great rush defense. Give me the over 44 and a half points. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, looking at this line on Tipico, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored over the Saints at home in this game. Not surprising at all. But the Bucks are favored by 10 and a half. 10 and a half? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks win at all, but 10 and a half? I mean... Do people understand, you know, the, the the sports betting world? Do do they understand what this rivalry is between the Bucks and the Saints, and that the Saints and Sean Payton have crawled up in the heads of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Like, is, is anybody taking that into account when they make these lines? I have no idea. <laughs> the, what the, the 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 one thing that I think about whenever, whenever every week, whenever I look at uh, the latest lines, I, I think of this. Um, it's a, a great bit of advice from NFL Network's Patrick Claybon, uh, great follow on Twitter. He said something you should always remember is that the book, the odds makers are not setting their odds against an NFL team. They're setting it against you as the better. Right. And so I, I, inside, this feels like schmuck bait, like, um, like they're setting it just so ridiculously high to try and get a lot of people flooding in, make, making a lot of bets. Um, you get, get a lot of hot reactions to it, and I, I'm more than happy to engage with that. So, <laughs> so I just do not see this game being that 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 far apart. I do not think that the that is. I, I think it's going to be significantly closer than that. I, I think that the Saints, the Saints have a great opportunity here to surprise a lot of people. This is an opponent they've played very well against. Every time they've seen the Bucks since they got Tom Brady, the Saints have played them tough. They've been competitive, um, and I like the Saints a lot in this matchup. The Saints at plus ten and a half. Feels almost like an automatic bet to back the Saints. I just think uh, they're going to be confident. They're going to play well. And again, there's something going on with that 
New Orleans voodoo or a mental block or something that happens when Tampa Bay with Tom Brady gets on the field against the Saints. We've seen it happen over and over and over again. But you know, one big story in the league right now, John, and let, let me get you uh, to comment on this real quick, is COVID issues, right? There's COVID is- COVID's kind of uh, running rampant through the league like we haven't seen over the last couple of years, which is disheartening to say as we get into the end of the season here in 2021. But it's getting, you know, teams are get kind of having these bad outbreaks. The Cleveland Browns, I think, you know, are they going to play on Saturday? I think that might be up in the air. Their head coach is now on. Their head coach is going to miss a game for a second time. Uh, with COVID, I mean that's that's how bad it's gotten. Baker Mayfield. Got Baker Mayfield has a two now. Okay, so Baker has a two. I mean, what what's the point of the Browns trying to play this week on Saturday? Like, is, like what's the point? What are we doing here? So, let's uh, go on, man. Yeah, um, yeah. What's your thoughts? The Saints and Broncos game last year, and all four of the Broncos QBs went down, and the NFL said, figure it out and find somebody on the squad who who played quarterback, and that's your starter now. Tough luck. Yeah. Um, I just can't. I just can't see them postponing this game or forfeiting it or anything like that. They're, they've got their three game Saturday slate, and they're determined that it, the show's going must go on. How are, how are these COVID issues? How do these affect New Orleans, if at all? Okay, so three guys remain on the COVID list. They could be activated by the time the show goes up on Thursday. Um, we're, we're wait, Sean Payton expect, said that he expected all three of them to, to be up for this this week's game. That is Cameron Jordan, Mark Ingram, and Ty Montgomery. Uh, all three of those guys missed the Jets game, are expected to play uh, on, on Sunday against the Buccaneers. Right now, we're just in kind of a wait-and-see mode. Now, what is concerning is about this big COVID surge, something like 75 players have landed on the NFL's uh, COVID protocols over the last few days um, earlier this week. And while none of none of those new additions have come from New Orleans, uh, one of them, I mean, several of them did come from the Jets. One of those is Justin Hardy, a former Saints cornerback, very popular in the locker room, former special teams captain, um, and after the game, a lot of Saints players, were, you know, were they, they were catching up with them. You know, they're they're, they're good friends. They're, they're swapping jerseys or swapping handshakes, taking photos together, having a great time. And then he lands on the COVID list the next day. So we're kind of waiting to see if if uh, this uh, shoe is going to drop here, and if uh, if any of those players who were close contacts with with Hardy end up also landing on the COVID reserve list. So it's something to watch going into Sunday's game with the Bucks. I hope you know you knock on wood. Yeah, and hope that, that we're not going to hear any any, uh, any big additions or big, or big losses, excuse me, uh, for for the Saints for the Buccaneers going into this game. Yeah, we know this list keeps growing that Adam Schefter keeps tweeting about. We're just waiting to hear the names on the list, and you just you just got to hope you just got to hope that it doesn't ruin your uh, your chances at, at at a big game here. And uh, let's look at the total in this one: Bucks Saints. John, the total's at forty six and a half, and. You know, since Brady signed with the Bucks, Tampa Bay and the Saints have met four times, including the playoffs, and the average total in those games has been 52.75, and that includes the game where the Bucks scored three points. So these two teams have been playing high-scoring games for whatever reason, and, and the game earlier this season was a high-scoring game. But this line is sitting pretty well under 50. It's 46 and a half. Uh, you know, I think the Taysom Hill factor is probably pulling this line down a little bit. But uh, what, what's your what's your leadoff thought on, or what's your gut reaction at forty six and a half? Do you like the over or the under? You know, oh man, um, I like the over here. The the, the Saints, for whatever reason, uh, struggled to put up a lot of points this year on a lot of teams, except Tampa Bay. They they seem to have a lot of a lot of success in that matchup, and I think they'll continue to 
uh, put up points here. So I'll, I'll take the over. I'll take the Saints here. I, I like them a lot to surprise people this week. Um, I think there's a lot of things going their way here as, as far as the injuries Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay is dealing with, the uh, the suspensions that Tampa Bay is dealing with, with uh, Antonio Brown and some other guys who tried to uh, pass by with fake vaccine cards. And, yeah, 100% and, uh, vaccinated. All, all, yeah, my ass. Come on. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some sleight of hand involved there. Um, <laughs> I, I think that Tampa Bay is, you know, Tampa Bay is in a tough spot. I think the Saints are starting, finally, starting to trend back up in the right direction. I think they're going to come, I think, I think that they can walk into Tampa Bay and leave with the win. So uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty frisky about the Saints this year. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I I I I'm not surprised at all, John, that you're taking the Saints. But I do think they're going to go in there as a ten and a half point underdog and and kind of just use that to their advantage a little bit. I think they'll have some juice for this game. Never mind that they need it for the season. But do, do you think they can still sneak their way in if they if this game goes south and they do lose it? Do you think they could still sneak their way in? Probably not with a loss. I, I cannot see a nine and eight team. Well, it, it, if they lost this week, they would have to win out, and that's going to right. be tough. The Dolphins. Yeah, we'll talk about this next week. Miami is is you know a very difficult matchup for the Saints for some reasons. We'll talk about later. Uh, the they got they would have to get past the Panthers who beat them. They'd have to get past the Falcons who beat them. Um, it, it's just really tough for me to see them rebounding from from a, a loss this week. So, um, you know, you hate to say it's a do or die or. A, or you know, this is the most important game of the year. But when, but at, considering where the Saints are, it's uh, tough to avoid that. So, um, you know, let, let's just, uh, gosh, let's hope they pull out all the stops and and uh, leave Week 15 with a win. All right, he's John Sigler. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us this week. Hit subscribe for us, and we will catch you after Saints Bucks. Talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.